everybody welcome back to another episode of the podcast strikes back my name is george and you're listening to our weekly podcast with the boys connor hi and benny hello in terms of movies very very little has happened uh this week and uh but what's been really great this week is movie book club the facebook group has launched and wow we are just blown away by how you guys are all getting in there and uh just commenting, having discussions, sharing movies. It's been so, so overwhelming to see. And uh, yeah, 75 people in there, really awesome. Like anyone who's listening to this, uh, please head to Movie Book Club, send an invite, I'll give you access and let's keep the conversation going. Um, um, we- just quickly, every Wednesday, we cull the least active 10% of the group. So make sure you're posting, commenting, liking in there. Is that, otherwise, you is that a ticket? Yes, buddy, you're out. By the way, yeah. you got some work to do tonight. Zero posts so no far. Post. Okay. But seriously, a, mi- a million thank you to everyone who's getting in there, stuck in. It is so awesome to see, and I think the proof is in the pudding because uh, I have watched a couple <clears throat> films that uh, well, Benny and I watched one, um, but. I've watched a couple of films that have been recommended in here. So one week in, we launched it last Tuesday. It's already pumping. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Keep it going. We've got Movie Book Club Episode 7 in Bruges, which was Connor's pick. And a little question of the week, which came through Movie Book Club. So head in there, guys. But before all that, uh, let's catch up on what everyone's been watching. Benny, why don't we kick it off with something that we watched, which was a recommend from Taylor in the group, um, Grave Encounters, which was a found footage horror film. Directed by the Vicious Brothers. Uh, any really kind of brothers is, is cool, but the Vicious Brothers. <laughs> yeah, they've got the Spearig Brothers beat. Great uh, name. I'm not kidding. This had a really nice comedic front end to it that I, I appreciated. Yeah, so it was like a found footage show based around like one of those ghost chaser um, shows. Um, I think the tagline is they were looking for proof they found it, um, which obviously kind of writes itself in that scenario. And it really captured the kind of the cheesy, uh, kind of dodgy nature of these shows and their presenters. Um, And it also had the kind of behind the scenes on those shows, how they're just like really kind of faking it. It's really fraudulent. Um, But then, yeah, as you said, George, it really escalates to an interesting place. Oh man, this thing, like, it just kind of, there was this one point in the film where it the kind of everything flips the end. Oh, I, I was so impressed. Um, it, and, and, you know, we had a comment from Fabian who we watched this with, um, he mentioned, um, how it had like sort of Elasto horror face from the, you know, the sort of, you know, and everyone was getting into after effects and whatnot in the late noughties <laughs> and whatnot. So, you know, in some of those effects, I think they could have actually gone for even more nihilism and shown less, and it would have been more effective because some of those kind of went a little too crazy for me. But other than that, I was so impressed with this. Um, it kept going and going and going. I had a great time. And and maybe there's a nostalgia aspect of this. I can. I was thinking the whole time, like, I wonder what the dudes from Red Letter Media or Mike from Red Letter Media thinks of this because he loves those cheesy ghost uh, ghost shows. Yeah, it had all of the um the strengths and weaknesses 
terms of your your found footage footage movies, but it was um, a, a cut above the usual ones, I think. Um, Georgie, you said you watched another recommendation. Yeah, I watched another one, and I can't ever remember the name. Coherence, another <laughs> recommend from Taylor, because I just thought the ping pong bat and the whole poster looked really great. So chuck that on. Um, wow. Wow. I, I, I must say at the beginning, it was so shaky, Cam, and I think this came out in 2013 or something, and they just mm. didn't get the white balance and everything right, like the... The whole footage is just not graded and, and presented that great. But this film gets into these really incredible ideas. And oh, I, I it's got this sort of time loop aspect to it. Um, I think I don't really want to say much more than that, but it's definitely for fans of anything time, time travel, time loop, reality-based things. Um, you know, this is this is for you. This is a high, high recommendation from me. And um, I think I think I saw a bit of a parallel with um, between these two films. So maybe I was reading into it a bit, but um, the aim sort of like being in this sort of void. Um, yeah, this, mm. there was a sort of a thing there. But yeah, I, hopefully I'm not spoiling too much of that shit. Um, but yeah, high recommend, high recommend. Get in here. Really good stuff. It's been a little while since I watched that one, so I won't say too much because I can't remember exactly what the big spoilers might be or not. But um, a very cool little little twisty reveal upon reveal, a uh, little sci-fi um, concept. Uh, really great if you're into you know the Twilight Zone or what have you. Sort of like kind of almost like short story form um, uh, sci-fi. Eighty-eight um, minutes and yeah, in and out. Um, on that note, I, I feel like I watched something in a similar vein. Was uh, on a new one for uh, Amazon Prime, The Vast of Night. Um, now, the basic the premise of the movie... Vast of is, Night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very mm. simple premise. It's basically just set in the 50s in a small town uh, in New Mexico. Um, if you know anything about uh, conspiracy theories, maybe that'll already give away what some of the plot might be going, but, but some people who work kind of adjacent to radio signals um, hear no, this no. strange signal kind of in the ether and are just trying to track out exactly what's going on. Um, the way it plays out is almost like a, a radio play, very uh, simple character-based, a um, lot of dialogue, but also really inventively shot. Um, it's clearly a very low-budget film, um, first-time director, uh, and I had a, a really great time with it. I recommend this one highly as well. <clears throat> this is just a, just a horror, right? Uh, Sci-fi, more than Sci anything, but okay, cool. kind of creepy too. Uh, very, cool. very clearly patterning itself off Twilight Zone stuff as well. Nice. Hmm. Nice. Love the love those little budget ones and they, they, they off small budget ones, sorry. And um they often just have a little bit more width or breathing room to just go a bit more experimental, which is mm. quite fun. Now, Georgie, do you have anything else? Because we're kinda of going back and forth here. Uh I listen, I'm pretty sure I watched something else, but I can't remember. Hmm. Uh, well I can't think remember. about it. Um, because my entire oh, oh, week is can, pretty much. Can, oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, oh, Connor, you're finally going to actually respect me as a, a, <laughs> as a human, Let's wait until we hear what this human is. Being. <laughs> I've moved up from subhuman. I bought a sound bar. Oh, Ooh. you glorious man, you. Yeah. Wow. So my boy, Jordy. Oh. Um, hooked me up. I'm sorry. Can I just explain to you why I think that's so insane that you hadn't done this earlier? Is because as someone who has spent so much of their life, you know, oh, no. as a musician, uh, someone who like understands the importance of sound in 
normal yeah. or just sound on its own. I always found it so bizarre that you like you didn't have like a good sound system. I was like watching stuff on this TV, like half the effect is just squandered the elitism kind of like works against yourself because i've got like right now i'm sitting next to like each speaker here is like eighteen hundred dollars in my like little studio that's like my point and then like anything (laughs) like like but if i go if if i buy it from jb you know i used to be like nah nah because it's not some like boutique danish fucking yeah the difference between your your inbuilt tv sound and a soundbar is infinitesimal compared to what a soundbar would be to the speakers you're used to anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I I get that, yeah. But you know what? I, so I got the Bose one. It was like the discontinued okay, yeah. one. And like, you know, I don't think it's as good as the Sonos. The Sonos display and everything was really dope. And I think that's probably the better one. But honestly, we A-B tested it against, we put it at the same volume and went back and forth and we our jaw hit the floor. It was like mm. we've been living... Connor's right. Connor's been right this whole time. Well, I, this I, knew right. Right. <laughs> I knew he was right. I knew he was oh, yeah, right. I know you did. Like, I know you knew it. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, we got a good dealio on it and it was a discontinued yeah. one. So, I know, make like, good I'm... financial decisions here, everyone. You know, I didn't want to bring that back to finance. <laughs> so you could afford soundbars. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, Sorry, Benny. I had to hijack yeah. that for a second. Oh, good to hear. That's a that's a long a long coming update. Um, basically, all I wanted to say is my entire week has been eaten up by one one cheeky little thing that Amazon Prime did, which was release the first thirteen seasons of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia um, for the first time streaming in Australia, I believe, anywhere. Uh, and I have just been going from episode one through that. Um, I'm almost up to season five. It's been a very gratifying rewatch. Wow. It's one of my absolute favorite shows of all time. Uh, it's been part of my life for like 11 years. It's really interesting going back to the uh, to the beginning again. And that's one of those ones that they say maintains the pedigree, right? Yeah. So I go through this cycle every single year, which I find really interesting, especially now that I'm so aware of it, is the new season comes out. I'm like, I just don't know if I still got it. And then by the time the next season has come out, I've rewatched that season one or two more times. And I absolutely love it as much as the rest of the show. So yeah. Uh, 14 seasons in currently and i think that it has maintained quality it's shifted um kind of its focus and its tone a little bit here and there over the years it's evolved in certain ways but yeah i think the quality has just been up there all the time killer oh Mm. awesome um i'll go then uh last uh two or three weeks i'd say i've been um going through the final season of schitt's creek which is the canadian TV shows, uh, TV you show by us since you did season one. Dan Levy and uh, um, his father Eugene Levy. Um, yeah, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Had I? Yeah. This looks so, fun. This one. Look, it's it's a massive phenomenon in um, uh, in North America. Um, a little less well known here, um, but would you, you like know, to explain that phenomenon for everyone listening it's, who's it's not just, aware? It's a look up Shit's Creek. I don't know. <laughs> it's um, it's the 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 premise of the show is that there's a very rich family that um has their accountant I think steal all their money essentially, um and they are kind of left destitute. And the one thing that um the family still has in their name is uh, the father bought a town called Shit's Creek to for his son as like a joke, um and they they essentially own this town. 
um, and they go and they... I've, I've, I've very aptly heard it described as um, uh, arrested development, but the characters uh, love each other and have the capacity to grow as people. So basically just Canadian arrested development. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. But uh, so at any rate, it's, it's, it's their kind of story of, of um, uh, riches to rags, I suppose. Um, and it is... Uh, it's not the kind of show that I would have thought would have been wildly popular. It's not the kind of show that I thought I would enjoy. Um, it's like a kind of 30 minute sitcom-y type. Um, I don't even know how to, what was it you call it? Like drama comedy, I suppose. Um, yeah, but initially definitely mostly a comedy, but it has a great moments of drama throughout. Yeah. But it it has developed as this kind of, it's so wholehearted and it is so kind of genuine. The writing is mm. spectacular. The characters and the character development is really spot on. Um, and so coming in and, and, and they did something that I thought was really interesting, which is really rare these days, which is at the height of their popularity, at the height of their kind of quality, they decided to call it quits. So they wrote this, uh, I think it's the sixth season as their finale. Mm. Um, and, I thought they did a really wonderful job. I think they avoided, or as much as they could, they avoided the trope of everyone kind of having their, um, you know, everyone kind of getting their dream or, or like, you know, just uh, like kind of like so some sitcoms, they tie off each storyline with a nice little bow. So um, neatly, way too neatly. And this, I mean, there was elements of that in this, in this final season, but it, it wasn't done in a way that I felt as though it was disingenuous, which you can get. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, I also watched, there's a documentary on Netflix, uh, hour long about the, the final season and about how Dan Levy wrote it and kind of about the story of how they cast everyone from season one. And, and I guess the, the ride of this phenomenon and, you know, I, I definitely recommend that anyone that has watched this series to also check out that documentary because it's um, heartwarming and uh, and just genuinely lovely. It was so great, wasn't it? I think I, I found the the documentary even more emotional than the final season, which is saying something because I don't Easily. think I've ever seen a sitcom that has made me this emotional uh, throughout its entire Easily. run. Um, and yeah, one of the really, I was going to say, one of the really interesting things that um, was particularly highlighted in the um in the documentary but you you when you think about it you notice it in the series is that it it does a really wonderful job of um kind of bringing in um uh lgbt you know uh, characters and issues without in any way shape or form being preachy um and mm -hmm. that's simply because dan levy um wrote the character kind of i don't know if i'd say it's based off him but you know, obviously has his sexuality and he was just like, he just kind of wrote it as a normal character that happened to be like him and it comes across on screen. You know, at no point do you feel as though it's, you know, trying to teach you something. It's just watching real people on the screen, which is really lovely. Yeah, and in a, in a landscape that is so dominated, like less and less now so, but certainly up to a point um, by really tragic um, mm. stories involving LGBT people, um, it's so refreshing to see something so just matter of fact and positive and heartwarming and uh, just progressive in, in many different ways without that being a dirty word whatsoever. It really reminded me a lot of another favorite uh, of ours, uh, Letterkenny. I knew you were going to say it. 
of course starts off as this really seemingly like kind of show about like tough farmer guys being tough farmers but just has this stuff very matter-of-factly woven throughout it um and it never causes any issues and it, it's just kind of this really lovely definitely simplified version of mm. uh, a world that hopefully will one day be more than a dream <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's it is it is just really good and i and i love that that type of storytelling um mm. So yeah, it, you know, I don't want to overstate it because it 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 yeah. it starts out rough. It starts out rough, and 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 it's it's kooky and it's weird and it's you know all those things, um, and it can be easily kind of brushed aside. But I think it's I think it's um, been really popular for a reason. You know, I think it connects Definitely. with a lot of people, um, mm. and yeah. So yeah, I watched the final season of that and was impressed. Nice. So that's all wrapped up. It's all wrapped up. Well and it, one season one to six quit while they were ahead. And that's, that's hard to do. How many episodes per season? Ten? Like, oh, no, God. it's more than that. It's more than that. Yeah. It's well more than that. It's like 14 or something. 14 to 16, something like okay. that. So it's, you know, that's it's, all right. oh, that's bearable. It is very sitcom. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know that I, 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 I have a feeling that you would hate it, George. Ash might okay. like it. Okay. I'm almost certain it. that you'd yeah, yeah like you would hate it. I, hopefully, I'm the only one that hates it, and you know, you guys can just cast me out. Uh, I think it could win you over, Judge. One other thing I watched this week was Pony Smashers YouTube channel, uh, which is bloody bloody Pony Smashers. Bloody, what is his name? David F. Sandberg, uh, director of Annabelle Creation and Lights Out. And the other one you love, Shazam. Shazam. Yeah, one of my, one of my favorite directors out there. Man, his YouTube channel, if you guys haven't got on that, seriously, dial that in, especially if you have um, any in interest in the actual filmmaking process. He is incredible. I'm so impressed with this guy. He is really, really practical. Like, he's not like, oh, you need this all this incredible gear. Like, he, he is he's really being inventive with the stuff that he's using for lighting and he's doing fun little short films with his wife and they are super cute and overall just a great great overall experience this guy's putting on with his youtube channel do you know who's yeah, doing so a really great youtube channel recently uh sorry uh you, you go first ben well i just wanted to say yeah him and his wife lotta have been making like short films completely in isolation just the two of them and watching the behind the scenes of that is really beautiful extensive making ofs um it's really interesting to see how across every aspect of filmmaking uh this sound. guy is um yeah the, the, sound, the amount effect. he knows about sound i was like oh man this guy is like this he guy knows has a sound bar this guy <laughs> i think he has a sound bar <laughs> um yeah very very cool if you like short horror and especially if you like the behind the scenes stuff too Fair get enough. involved uh, this is in no way meant to be as good as that, but um, I noticed that uh, Kevin James has come out with a YouTube um, a I, I channel. I knew that a and, second before you said it. You're gonna yeah, and it. I gotta be honest, like Connor. I'm kind of digging it. That's cute. Um, yeah, yeah. I've I've never given uh, Kevin James an overabundance of credit uh, in no terms of lie. Yeah. <laughs> don't lie to anyone. Favorite comedian ever. Yeah. No, but I, he 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 did this. Um, he's he's done quite a few just really good little shorts or like a minute, a minute and a half. Um, and I don't know. I was just really impressed with it. 
I like the the boom operator ones where he inserts himself into like classic films as the boom operator in the scene. Yep. They're, they're yep. very cute. Um, have you seen he's also got this new movie, this new release movie out, uh, Becky, I think it's called, where he plays no, like a, a hardcore neo-Nazi. Like it's a full-on thriller. Like he's he's not taking the piss or anything. Um, I've heard it's not quite as successful as other comedians going into drama, but it seems pretty interesting. That seems about right for uh, Kevin James. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want Kevin James to be discussed anymore on my podcast. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Mate, check out check out his uh, YouTube okay, channel just for right. a quick laugh. Yeah, and... no, okay. All right, <laughs> <laughs> no. you're not going to do it. No. Gonna... <laughs> no. Did you... Speaking of that, did you check out uh, Senua's Sacrifice on YouTube? Like you said, you would. Ooh. Um... <laughs> I did not. Wait, what is Torn that again? Receipts. What's that again? That was the that was the um, game with Welcome the to my awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll come back six months later and be was like, that... guys, I checked out this game. That's like this schizophrenic. This you know, is that the one uh, based Nordic... on Bloodborne? Is that one kind of made by the same people who do Bloodborne? No, it's oh. it's called Hellblade. The series. Uh, I watched it, bro. Mm. I yeah. really watched it. <laughs> It was great. It was cool, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, it was so cool. <laughs> Mind was blown. Uh, fuck. <laughs> totally get why you're into it, man. Yeah, yeah, no, right? That's it's good Just that don't you talk like, absorb at all directly <laughs> about the yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so just really high level. <laughs> As a general piece yeah, of art, yeah, I yeah, really enjoyed yeah. it. I, it was I thought it was well done. The amount of work <laughs> that would have gone into that. I know, right? <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same level, George. <laughs> so there's no news uh, in movie sure. world. Um, why don't we get into question of the week, which we got from movie book club. So if anyone hasn't gotten into movie book club, get in there uh, on Facebook. So our boy Jake Travaskis sent in a question and he said, you know, he was having to think about his top five superhero films. And I'll just list his off. Dark Knight Trilogy. Well, I mean, that's three films, but we'll, we'll let you get away with it this time, Jake. Um, Infinity War, Watchmen, the Zack Snyder one, uh, Avengers 2012, Spider-Man 2. And then we had a bunch of people chiming in. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Um, uh, Benny, do you want me to list yours off? Uh, I've... I've, I've got what i could remember list off the extra ones spider-man yeah. 2 was definitely in there as well i we mentioned in the commentary that's kind of the constant on everyone's list yeah um i had to put the incredibles in there um logan mm. really occurred to me which i hadn't watched in a couple of years i really want to check that out again this week um i wrote civil war um captain america civil yeah. war because i really just wanted to limit myself to one mcu movie otherwise it would just it would go on forever um, and I also picked Constantine, which I wasn't sure if counted, but um, I really, really love that movie too. I had something else on there, I think. Super unique. You had Shazam as well. Shazam, of course. And you had Spider-Verse. So you had eight. Spider oh, wait, one, two, yes. three, four, <laughs> Take five, that, Jake. six, seven, <laughs> seven. Okay, so we're working off top seven uh, comic book <laughs> movies right now. And mine was Hellboy 2, Infinity War, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Dread, The Dark Knight. There seemed to be a fair few like regulars that kept popping up. I saw Civil War mm. pop up a lot of times, Infinity will pop up, The Dark Knight, Watchmen as well a few times, which I was quite surprised about because I, I always thought Watchmen was one of those ones that maybe five or ten years ago was really highly regarded and then 
it's kind of subsided, but there's still like a lot of people really loving that film and, and maybe even appreciating it more since the TV series. Connor, what did you have a top five list off the top of your head? Off the top of my head. Oh god, you Or it. maybe the um, list or the list that you have right next to you, you know, whichever way you want to live. I do not have the list next to me. This would be off the top of my head. Um yeah. I think that Civil War would probably definitely have to be up there. Um just for the um the action direction. I think that um that movie sticks out in the MCU as just having mwah, action. Yeah. Um, I, uh, God. Top Can't five. name one other superhero movie, can you? <laughs> God, you're so good. I'm just trying to think about what would, what would classify as my actual favorites. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't know why Blade comes up as- I, I as, considered Blade. Yeah, me too. Um, I consider Blade Two as well. I think I like Blade, Blade Two more Blade than Blade. Two or, yeah. Um, I mean, it's I, I I feel like it's almost cheating to to like you like you did Ben like to kind of mention too many MCU films because um, mm. want some diversity in your top five. Right? You don't want to go like you don't want to go come out and admit that you're an MCU whore. Just you know. Do you? But you guys um, both put you guys both put Civil War above Infinity War. Yeah, I think that's how it played out when we did the full breakdown of the MCU. Check it out on YouTube. Yeah, actually, I, did it did it beat Infinity War? Uh, it did on my personal list, I'm sure. Because yeah, that's I, a tough one for me. I I am always like constantly impressed by the task that is Infinity War. You know, mm. um, irrespective of of the actual movie, just. The ability that, or the fact that they were able to pull off a movie of that magnitude, I think is just endlessly um, impressive. Um, and I think the moments at the end are way more impactful within Infinity War. Like Civil War, I feel like it peters out a little bit towards the end. Um, yeah. You know, like the final scene, like there is obviously the reveal, oh, he killed, he killed the parents. But, um, you know, beyond that i don't know how much else there really is in that back half of civil war whilst mm -hmm. with infinity war we've got all the snap stuff like there's so much crazy shit in that movie i just think yeah that... but then you get endgame which kind of martyred yeah but fuck endgame yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about endgame endgame could <laughs> yeah. die in a shallow grave by the fucking side of the highway no, but, oh, but let's not go too far. i think if i have to if i have to pick one reason why civil war would edge it out it's just because infinity war is much more of a single part of a whole than yeah. um, do you Civil think War so? is. I, 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 think it stands, oh, yeah, it I think it stands on its own just fine. But I can watch so Infinity War, War and step away and not watch Endgame. And then I think I no, could do totally. the same I'm with Endgame. I'm just saying more than Civil War. No, like, what are you saying? Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me come over there. I know where you live. Um, <laughs> Digital from oh. arm wrestle. Um... <laughs> 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 You know what? And, and this that's, I know this is toxic really the masculinity, folks. <laughs> I know this isn't actually what the question was, but I, I have to give a shout <laughs> yeah, out that's to such Age a Connor of, answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I have to give a shout out to Age of Ultron because I think that is such an underrated movie in the overall kind of pantheon of MCU movies. Um, I have such a soft spot for that. I, I you know people just absolutely lambast that movie, and I. Um, I don't understand. Yeah, it, it doesn't need to be lambasted, but like it's it's not in the consideration set for me. For a top five. Yeah. 
I, it, almost because it is so lambasted is why I'm like, I feel like I see this like broken, beautiful thing on the ground. I'm like, oh. and one I, I struggled you. with, I <laughs> almost put in I, I, what, what, the Spider-Man choice was a huge problem for me because I was tossing up Ooh. between Spider-Man one, Spider-Man two and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And especially the amazing Spider-Man too, because you're a huge Andrew Garfield Eat it. fan. Eat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought like, which one am I going to pick? Because I, I, I absolutely love the first one. People like to dog on that one these days. I still love that one. But I had to give it to Spider-Verse. I think that's just on another level. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Spider-Verse is, is streets ahead. Mm. Um, and uh, I love your Dread pick. Oh, yeah. I had to put mm. in Dread. Good I was stuff. just thinking, like, so we we are like putting all of our blu-rays into cd into like big wallets and we're going to sell the boxes um ho or like hopefully someone picks them up for free or something oh god who knows? <laughs> um, what do you mean you're selling yeah, like, you're not actually selling George, the boxes. he's called the garbage man <laughs> yeah, yeah I was like, what are you talking I about think, I, wanna, I feel really bad about getting rid of them like putting them <laughs> into landfill putting them yeah, into I landfill no we got all our box sets and stuff but anyway like i'm looking it through and literally like half the movies i want or in my collection it's horror or sci-fi like i don't have like i we're like where's the rom-coms where's the comedy like that's not me, you know. So it's not metal just, enough. That's that's why, yeah. Exactly. It's not metal enough, man. Um, so you know, dread had to be that that one that came to my mind. And then Benny, in the when I brought that up, you brought up when Carl up. <laughs> we were in the bar. Uh, and I, I was like, see, I, I, didn't, get no, I didn't mention it. I didn't I mention it. You didn't mention anything in the book club. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, I didn't mention it in the podcast. Um, oh, I, the, the, no, first thing, that's you know, the first thing that comes to mind is you getting so rejected good. by Carl Urban. <laughs> no, he, no, it was his fucking assistant, man. I know, but it's funnier to say and that Carl Urban. And when I asked him my question, he said, Good question, young chap. Young fellow. I, yeah, I specifically remember him doing Thank that. Thank you, Carl. Even though I was like 25. <laughs> and I asked him that. Um, Late bloomer. Grown-ass man <laughs> yeah. crying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Carl Urban, nice dude. Good movie. Uh, great movie, great times. And I tell you what, I'm just going to talk about this now before we talk about it later. In Bruges on Blu-ray. I tell you what, watching Blu-ray compared to streaming, it's it's a different mm. animal. It's a different animal, man. Is it that much Depressing. better? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Seriously. Really? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Even on the TV that Benny, you know, he rags on my TV all the time. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think it looks so much better. So, so, so much better. Anyway, is that mm. now time to get into it? Are we done yeah, with it? Good segue. Yeah. Uh, Connor, why don't you tell us why you chose In Bruges for the seventh edition of Movie Book um, Club? Yeah, I will. Um, like right about now. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I, I chose it because I love the movie um, and I love the director um, and I love the director's brother. Um, it and it's it's also, a movie. also a film director for the record, not just the random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love him. his sister as well. His <laughs> uncle's not too bad. Um, you, know? <laughs> you know, for me, the, I remember this being a movie when the when I first watched it, I really did not appreciate it. Um, mm. you no, know, it was I was 
not too young, but uh, early teens, maybe when I first watched it. Um, and the context that I watched it in was really like, Hey, look at, you know, I can't remember how it was sold. Did this come out me. in 2006 or something? Is this 2008? How old are you, Connor? Yeah. <laughs> that would have put me, oh, maybe in my mid-teens then. I don't know. I was in my teens um, mm. without giving away too much. Um, <laughs> but it was sold to me as like, uh, how funny is it? How many times they say fuck or something. So I came at it with this like, just really iffy attitude. And um, I didn't really get much out of it. I was like, you know, someone told me it was a comedy and the it wasn't the kind of comedy I was expecting and it just didn't land and and, and all that. And so I just remember being very disappointed by this film the first time I watched it. He was watching the hyper poignant, superhuman ending. It's like, it's not funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is what? And, and, and then I remember re-watching it um, a couple of years later and being like, this movie is fucking awesome. Um, and, and having a completely different take on it. Um, and that, and, and one of the things that I really love about it is that it has this exploration of nihilism that is not, it wouldn't, you wouldn't define it as a nihilistic movie because it presents this, you know, uh, you know, I guess nihilistic setting and, 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 and that, and kind of says, you know, he, here's nihilism, here's the other thing, and here's where they conflict. And I just, I love that as a, as a movie that loves to delve into the gray area. And, and me as a person, I, that's where I, you know, love. Like if someone has an opinion, or particularly a strong opinion, I'll find a way to, to you know, disagree and, and pull it into the mud, for oh, better really? or for worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this is shocking to you too. Um, and, but this is where Martin McDonough lives. This is where like all his movies really deal with that grayer and I, I fucking love it. So that's why I picked this movie. So what'd you guys think? So this is my first viewing of in Bruges. Huge. Uh, and, um, I gotta say, uh, I, I was so impressed. I just had, (laughs) I had the best time and I'd say, you know, this film feels purposeful. You know, this film, like, literally, like, the finals, the final moments in the film bring, like, so many things full circle. Like, why was this person in it? This happened. He said this at this point in the movie, you know, and it's like, wow, that is just Without great it feeling writing. set up, right? Yeah, without it feeling set up. And, and didn't feel like, just oh, kind I wonder why that guy was there. Net, it's like kind of the apple falling from the tree, but it fell in a really like perfect way but talking about nihilism i mean you know i feel like that's a very nihilistic ending and um you know with with what this film does very very successfully it makes the it makes some really really gruesome confronting things quite digestible um i think mm. like my dad could kind of watch this and kind of get away with it whilst if i showed him hellraiser i guess like you know what i like i, I you can't put inversion hellraiser in the same ballpark but you know <laughs> what i mean like this goes places this goes places it is very graphically violent um oh no doubt. A point oh. of comparison and as far as premises go it's about as dark as you can go because like you know this isn't some schlocky um body count movie this is a movie, you know, a very grounded feeling movie about a, a hitman who just blows the fucking head off a, a kid. And you see more of that than you may want to. 
Um, I forgot about that. Doc. Rewatching it, I was like, "Holy shit!" They do not like. They mm. don't pull away from that, and, and know, it, it's really know. interesting that you know I love his working of comedy into this because it is a dark comedy, but at no point like it's it's so obvious when you're meant to laugh and when you're not, and he does it in such a good way, right? Like he he has these really poignant moments where you know he 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 never makes the pain the butt of the joke, right? Yeah, um, it's, it feels it's, like a very Irish sensibility. It never feels like. Yeah like the sadness and the humor are far away, are far away from each other. They're very inter- intertwined in the film, but, but in a way that never gets muddled at all. Yeah. And I think like going back to purposeful, like he knows when, it, what the audience needs to be feeling at certain stages in the film. And he is able to bring that dynamics and the two characters here, you know, there's basically three, there's basically four main characters here. Right. But they all, there's like, they work so well and they feel real. They feel well-rounded. Um, especially like the the play off each other of the 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 main two, and I got this sort of feeling of like this generational kind of mm. like fatherly figure and the young kid who doesn't appreciate history, and you know he's kind of just fidgeting and agitated, and it's just like take a moment to sort of soak in the soak this in, and 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 it sort of you know, did it in an entertaining, fun way that actually weaves itself into the narrative where he is his fatherly figure and he protects him and he ends up giving his life um, in, you know, you could look at it in a lot of different ways, those final scenes, I'm sure. But yeah, this, like, I was was super, super impressed. And one thing I would like to bring to the forefront as well um, is the piano theme in this. Piano theme Mm. that keeps coming back. So I just want to jump in, Georgie, because this is one of my main points on this movie. This is the film that introduced me to my favorite composer uh, ever, Carter Burwell. Um, and I think this is the the perfect example of the kind of really powerful, dramatic, melodic uh, music that he puts into movies. And I think it adds a lot to this film, especially the kind of dark fairy tale vibe of it. Yeah, it's got this very minor key um just just mysterious and like something's lurking behind the corner and it fits the setting perfectly Perfectly. and it's probably a good chance to talk about the setting um because martin mcdonough has been quoted as saying that if we weren't allowed to shoot in bruges they just wouldn't have made the movie um Mm, and it's it's kind of obvious why because the you know it's it's a pretty common theme throughout his films that the settings are kind of characters in and of themselves Mm. and um Mm. You know, particularly with this one, where you do feel as though this is somewhat otherworldly, um, and it's even in the script, his original penning of the script, that to describe the setting as otherworldly um, after he had been in Bruges. Um, well, yeah, the concept of purgatory is brought up within the film itself, and this that plays into how the place feels. Mm-hmm. And have you guys been? No. To purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's a time. Arguments like, could be made. You could be a fence sitter. <laughs> Nobody really gives a fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I've never been to any. It, it's Europe. it's kind of got like this sort of like it, it is that kind of like you're looking into a dollhouse or it's it's got it's a weird it's a weird place. It kind of feels stuck in time or or mm. miniaturized or something. So you've been to Bruges specifically? Yeah. Who has been to Bruges but not seen in Bruges? That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> I can't tell We were only in there for a few us, hours, Connor though. We were in country. transit. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's wild. Um, yeah, one thing I wanted to say about the setting was just one small aspect of it. I find it so amazingly informative just to the main character of Ray, Colin Farrell, because there's something, I feel like you learn so much about him just from the fact that he hates being in this beautiful, magical place. Um, I think that so much of, of, of who he is as a character comes across from that. Um, and, and Colin Farrell in general, I, I think um, I, I joked in the in the in the club that this the, an alternate title for this film could be "You Like Colin Farrell Now," um, mm. because I think for so many people they would have like he's he just kind of has this bad reputation as like a bad boy actor. Um, I don't think he'd ever really stretched his muscles this much um, before this. Certainly not in anything I'd seen. Um, and this this turned me around a complete one eighty on him. This is his best work. Hundred mm. percent. Like I can't think of anything that I've enjoyed him more in. I've got some stuff that we may watch later on um, in uh, in my picks for our movie book club. Um, but I, I, it was so it was funny how how young he looked in this movie, mm. um, and and how brash. I like what you're talking about, Georgie. The the relationship between between him and Brendan Gleeson, in that it, this movie kind of feels almost like a coming of age movie, but not the typical like young adult to adult, like more mm. like young younger but older adult turning to an actual adult um and kind of trying to find some kind of purpose and reason for his life um i i love that element of it yeah with, with both the it's... characters right like this mm. they're, they're both kind of at this sort of crossroads and presented mm. with this situation and they've got to react and it's kind of going to change the rest of their life so one of the really interesting i guess takes on this that i saw because you know i was just really interested by the by the movie um, in general, was about the representations of morality with the characters. Um, and you can look at, you know, uh, Ray's character as this kind, as the kind of nihilistic, you know, someone wrestling with this, um, you know, very vague sense of morality, um, you know, outside like a kind of a rigid structure. And then you have someone like Ralph Fiennes, um, who is this like, very static here are the rules this is the um this is kind of like the old school of morality right um no nuance and, there yeah and 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 the kind of relative um pros and cons of each right mm. you know ralph fines is 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 very rudderless um whereas you know ralph fines has purpose and it takes in, in fact takes joy in his purpose um right up till the last moment where his rigid morality um, you know, causes him to uh, essentially kill himself. So yeah, it's, it's um, the code he lives by, right? Yeah. So I think that the the writing is such that it is so impressive to see, you know, how this, you know, these representations in these characters that feel very real, like they don't just the how how well it works and how well they interact and and how interesting of a story they can tell. But it Bl feels I mean, very fully formed. Yeah, when mm. we're talking about Colin Farrell, like 100%, this is one of the, my favorite performances. But Brendan Gleeson is incredible in this. Like, he just feels natural. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm just watching a dude. And, and, and it I must stands say, out somewhat less because he's always good. Yeah. But he's, you're right, he's amazing. But he, And honestly, mm. the, his death face, the way he rolled his eyes around and shit, wow. Like, I know that's really weird. It's a really weird thing to comment on, but that was insanely well thought out and executed. Um, 
well, end to end. Bringing that up because I I definitely noticed that as well that specific yeah. moment and like also my absolute like, oh. the absolute favorite funniest moment of the film for me this time um, uh, just in this particular viewing that I just did not remember um, was his face again. It was when um, Colin Farrell's offering cocaine to the the couple at the bar. And they, they look up at him and he's just like super agitated. And then Brendan, Brendan Gleeson comes over his shoulder yeah. just looking high as fuck. <laughs> and it is so funny. I, I cacked myself. I thought that was so... I, I, it, it was the most comedic or like comic, you know, aspect of that movie. Like just... Mm. Movie, you, you couldn't look at this movie and say it's goofy, but that one, that one scene was, and it was so perfectly placed in there. Yeah. It's wonderfully um, broad. Yeah. I... I, I love Brendan Gleeson in this and um, and I, I love how, and I know you guys have already said this, but I, I just, I love how they play off each other. They, they fit into their characters so, so well. I was, the yeah. whole time this movie, I was sort of trying to figure out what was going on. Like, I, I, as I said, I didn't really know, I didn't know what was about, but I, I had, I was like, these guys are hitmen. Like, it's kind of pretty obvious, right? Um, but beyond that, I'm like, what's going to happen in this whole scenario is unfolding. And then you get that conversation where Ray Fiennes says, you know, if I were to kill a kid, I'd pop myself off. And that ends up becoming the final moment in the film. And even with the, the, um, the little, the little person, uh, dwarf. he, the dwarf, I, I, what is the correct oh, terminology? No, it's, it's, no, no, I think it is little person little now, person, but in the movie, in, I think at the time of the movie, the yeah. politically correct thing was dwarf. It, he was kept using midget in the film. And I think yeah, that wasn't, right. um, so but that and then that where's that where's this going what's going on here and it all kind of that's what i mean purposeful all these little ingredients what's that what's that saying in the film it's like if they're going to show you something like they're going to show you a gun under the table you know uh yeah. Chekhov's gun sorry I, don't know. I, was, yeah. I was about to say maslow's gun and i was like that's not right Maslow, Maslow's <laughs> high hierarchy of guns uh, maslow has a gun as well it just never comes back yeah yeah um yeah I, it just it. it's just so it, it would be really satisfying to watch on a second viewing. I would believe, I, I believe. Yeah. Well, it watching is. it for me to today, after many years of not having seen it, I had a beautiful middle ground of not really remembering exactly where it was going, but being able to piece it together from, from vague memories or, or mm. just realizing things before they, they happened and, and seeing the construction come into place. Yeah. And I just, it, you're talking about like how everything kind of fits together and, and, um, and, and speaking of forgetting things, I had for, completely forgot about you eat the Canadian. I was like, oh, that's right. Oh, it's yeah, such yeah, a good. Yeah, yeah. It's such and, a, I was just thinking of George, George St. Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> but just like all the, like it, it's such a perfectly constructed, you know, uh, movie. I mean, if you even look at the, when he did hit the Canadian, you know, a scene before talking about how, you know, coming at you with a bottle. And then having the next scene where someone comes out of the bottle and all he does is scream bottle and then knocks mm. him. Like that's, mm. that's such a, um, such a beautiful and subtle callback to it. And you're kind of like, it, it, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I think this film, you know, if people comment on the violence or the swearing, I think they're missing the points a little bit, but they use violence very, very effectively. 
And mm. I think the scene with Brendan Gleeson dying, like Colin Farrell brings a performance Ooh. and a half there. That's a really savage moment. I think when, you know, Harry is taking out um, Colin Farrell at the end there, um, uh, Ray Fiennes is taking with, out Colin Farrell at the end there, you know, savage moments. With savage. the dum-dums. Yeah, really, and really the intense. Martin McDonough does a masterful job of showing you just enough to really kind of make your toes curl. Like when Brendan Gleeson kind of hits the ground um, sort of out of focus and just explodes like a fucking blood bag. Um, it's horrendous. And you never get a proper look at the aftermath. It's just close-ups on his face. And again, at the end, um, when, the, when the, the actor has, you know, his head entirely blown up, you just get a hint of that. And it's, it's horrid. <laughs> but uh, just like not not enough to be like properly off-putting effective though right yeah yeah you know what is this and what, i mean it's your, oh yeah yeah go oh, sorry go ahead well i was gonna say and, it, and it's a common theme throughout his entire movies like he he doesn't shy away from violence he doesn't shy away from kind of realness um but they all feel purposeful like he's not there to glorify violence um mm. and you know this this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with um bone tomahawk which was last week's pick or the week mm. before, no, the week before uh, pick, um, where I felt as though violence kind of, it took over the movie for me. Like I was just kind of, when I think back to it, that's what I think about. Um, whereas this one, I feel as though there's just enough to make the point and then they move on, which I really love. Yeah, I know. Yeah, mean. I will say that, that S. Craig Zala and Martin McDonough, I think both have sort of valid, like Tarantino comparisons. Um, I think Martin McDonough has there's there's a real level of of if not heart like humanity and emotionality to them that comes through uh like as you said just talking about the nihilism of this film um I think it really ends on a an important kind of positive note with um with Ray sort of uh, just you know his the the words out of his mouth I really really hope they wouldn't die um that is just a, a kind of a last minute turnaround from where he's been for the entire film, but it also feels very earned. Um, mm. Do, do you think do, like, and, and I liked that, that you didn't really know like he could have survived, you know, totally. there, there was no definitive yep. ending. And mm. I think unlike prisoners, which had a sort of another, another entry in movie book club, which had a, one of those sort of like, is he going to get found? You know, one of those, a endings. Lot of these. this one, I thought like was really, really, really well done compared to yeah, that. Yeah, well, especially because I've never even until right just now considered whether he lived or died because that's so uh, beside the point. It's beside mm -hmm. the point, um, but it's, me, it's yeah. just another little element. Well, it's, it's to the it. most. It is almost yeah. the point, right? Because it's it's it. The whole the whole movie has to do with purgatory and hell and heaven and all this, and it's it's mm. really that you know he's been living in purgatory the entire time. Um, mm. And it's kind of, it's the only, it's almost the only way to end it with this level of uncertainty, with this level of in between, yeah. he's not dead. He's not alive. You don't know. It's kind of like that. That's the perfect ending. Like it couldn't have, couldn't have ended the in any other way. But I think if you didn't have, you know, the, the elements of, you know, you know, even Colin Farrell saying to him, he, he's a little person, he's a midget, you know, um, whatever terminology uses in the film, uh, you know, I think 
that's an element of like through it all he's actually trying to sort of redeem he's there's a redemption aspect of it you know he's like he's trying to do the right thing there but you know once it's all said and done he the guy makes a mistake he lives by the code he thinks something else has unfolded he ends up killing himself and that's that's where you you live and die by the sword right but that element where he's trying to warn him that's another whole other element to this. Like he didn't just sit there and go, oh, he's dead. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, he's going to kill himself. Like mm-hmm. he tried to warn him. And that's like a character who's like done something really, really bad and you feel like this guy, he's not appreciating the place. He's not like that. He's like, he just wants to go and fucking sink beers in the pub. But <laughs> at yeah. the end of the day, this guy who who's killing him, there's like this this, this morality angle. And I'm not trying mm. to say he's the best character ever or whatever, but it's so intriguing to put that in the script and makes me think. And that's what I love about this film. Mm. There's, there's not a wasted word in this film. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that did occur to me, like when the, the line that you kind of pointed out there, which I think is just a, I don't know what it is about that line, but it is something that is really endearing um, that even as he is potentially dying on the ground, he doesn't want to see someone else uh, mistakenly suffer. And, and it's one of the things that makes the conversations between Brendan Gleeson and Rudolph Fiennes so watchable and so wonderful is these, you know, people across purposes that are still, um, you know, that uh, respect each other and, and, and love each other. And like that kind of conversation is, is certainly not, I, I don't know if I'd say it's realistic, but it is just genuinely wonderful to watch. The McDonough brothers are so good at doing just kind of general chit chat all the way up to heartfelt conversations between people who are at like mortal odds with one another. Mm. Um, I really love that about their films. I thought, I think this film reminded me of something like kiss, kiss, bang, bang mm. combined with. Um, it's a bit of lock stock. I felt lock in stock. There, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's exactly mm. it. Um, well, I mean, Ray Fine is directly out of a Guy Ritchie film in this movie, totally. and he's phenomenal. And that um, first transcript with uh, the telegram where they're reading <laughs> so it out, good. you know, <laughs> yeah, with yeah, that yeah. character, you're like, oh, this Cockney gangster, you know, but he's, <laughs> he's actually a nasty piece of work and like how that elevates, mm. but that's a really fun little moment. But even his interaction with his family is yeah. so telling of, of so you funny. Know, just the, and, and this is actually, this has garnered, um, some criticism for Martin McDonough, um, particularly in his most recent entry into feature film, which was uh, Three Billboards Out of Missouri, uh, Epping, Missouri, I think that was it, mm-hmm. um, where he presented characters that were uh, bad, char- like morally bad characters, but he, he made them, you know, 3D characters. Like they, 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 they weren't just evil characters and a lot of people felt as though he was giving redemption um unfairly to bad characters or, or people that resent represented bad things and it's one of the things that i really love about his his films this was makes him so impactful that he doesn't create you know mustache twirling bad people right you know even even the the the, the evil cockney gangster is can be kind to his family he's not you know there it, it you know, there, there's something in that in that aspect of writing characters that I really love. Yeah, I mean, like across the board, almost entirely, his his characters are like reprehensible people, and there's probably a bigger debate 
um, that we don't really need to get onto here about the merits of kind of kind of making them your protagonists. But um, certainly in this film and in Seven Seven Psychopaths, I think it's uh, quite fascinating. It's funny, both him and his brother John Michael McDonough, um, they've both done three films. And in both cases, I found their third to be quite underwhelming, unfortunately. Um, whereas the first two are like, like mint. Did you like mm. Seven Psychopaths? Loved it. Loved okay. it. I know that one turned a lot of people off just of how insanely meta it was, but I thought it was like just an amazing, amazing so, interwoven story about storytelling itself. Which one didn't you like of his? Uh, three billboards. Three billboards. I didn't dislike it. It was just underwhelming. Mm. Uh, and oh. uh, John Michael McDonough, uh, who's done The Guard, Calvary, and then War on Everyone, which is a movie that no one has seen, stars um, Michael Pena and Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. Um, I, I need to rewatch it because i got to give it another chance. But um, but uh, it's funny, I just watched The Guard before we started recording because after watching In Bruges, I'm like, I need a little bit more of this yeah. um, right now and I could just fit it in. Um, if Have you guys seen The Guard? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Wow, okay. Well, <laughs> well then time. I don't need to recommend it because it's fantastic. I love uh, <laughs> oh, Brendan Gleeson so much. I think you're on the right so path there, though. Yeah, watch sorry. it again. Good, good, good. Go yeah, on, you've yeah, watched yeah. it again. Oh, I enjoyed this re this rewatch better than any time I'd, I'd watched it before. Nice. Um, Brendan Gleeson, especially after getting just that like a, a more of a supporting character in In Bruges, seeing him take the lead was so wonderful. And his interplay with um with Don Cheadle was so fantastic because um the, the McDonald brothers are very disinterested so in any kind of uh, any kind of political correctness, which is not a bad thing uh, in its own right, but it was. More interesting, I think, having that dialogue between um, one belligerent kind of Irish asshole and someone who'd actually call him up on it more than in between just two sort of belligerent Irish assholes as it was in In Bruges. <laughs> uh, the was contrast more, is more certainly bounce off. more stark in that. I mean, particularly in that um, initial scene where they're they're kind of doing the review and um, this is for the guard. Mm. Um, that that initial interaction between Don Cheadle and, and Brendan Gleeson, it's it's so kind of black and white. Whereas you know the the differences between Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell are a little bit more subtle. Um, mm. But they're overtly racist in um, you know in in Bruges, and they you know and it's funny mm. watching it right like, in this time, you know in this time, just like. I'm sure, like, I can't remember the guard off the top of my head, but I'm sure it had more addressing, you know, that dynamic. He, he straight up right? says, he straight up says this, that I thought just, only... they're just racist and then they just move on to the next. Yeah, thing. there's more accountability in in uh, in the guard, which which is yeah. it's like it's not that I ever thought that the McDonough brothers were kind of writing this stuff without being smart and self aware enough to know what they're writing for the characters they're yeah. writing. Like, I know, I'm sure they understand what they're doing. It was just more interesting to see, uh, for more interesting for me, more gratifying to see them actually um, have a dialogue about that within the film yeah. itself, yeah. I thought. Yeah. But I, 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 I think it would have felt almost dishonest in, in Bruges, whereas in The Guard, the characters are so perfectly set up for him to call that out, which is oh, yeah. something no, I think I'm, I'm really not saying it should clever. have been uh, brought up. In yeah, no, original. I know. I'm just saying, I just, I think it's very cleverly set up in the guard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any final cool. thoughts on in Bruges? I, I had a great time. Great recommend. Love the music. Thought this is excep exceptional writing uh, and amazing performances. Nice tight film, an hour 40. 
I mean, mm. like, you know, if you're into thrillers, um, this is this is an awesome movie. So I don't know why you would be listening to a recommend after we've talked of spoilers <laughs> for half an hour, but I guess I, I would recommend, well, the recommend this to is somebody the else. Yeah, the recommended is the, the god. god. Like, yeah. if you enjoy this, completely, go check out the rest of his stuff. Go check out the rest Agreed. of his brother's stuff. Agreed. Um, yeah, very much in the same vein. Um, and yeah, and I yeah, way I better than probably... Chef. Way better than Chef. <laughs> two out it's of It's different than Chef. It's different than Chef. Chef's too happy, man. Exactly. I mean, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> it's <not> that. Metal. <laughs> <laughs> there's something really wrong with that. How how boring would the world be if the only kinds of movies that were out there were were just one type of movie? Ooh. I think it'd be great. No. <laughs> yeah, these types of movies. <laughs> so, episode seven, entry seven, done of Movie Book Club. Great pick. Sure about that number there, George. 87 uh <laughs> benny you're up next week mm-hmm. can you tell us what we will be watching uh yeah so a couple of little factors kind of um butted heads to to bring me to this conclusion and i changed my mind a lot this week but i um, thinking especially about the mcdonough brothers today um i was thinking about seven psychopaths which i definitely want to get around to next week but uh, just how meta that movie is um and Meta, I think, done really well. And also Colin Farrell in Bruges and um, that movie's ability to kind of win over detractors of that particular actor. Um, I decided that this week I would really like to revisit and love to hear everyone's thoughts on um, Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman's 2002 film Adaptation. Dude, oh, I did so Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage. Thank yeah, God. So I've never seen this. I've cool. rented it twice from the movie from Blockbuster really? and I never watched it. Uh, well, I, was always Devo. I was always Devo. I've always so, wanted to watch this. Not to, not to spoil anything, but this movie is I know so fascinating it. because it, it's, it's a movie, it's an adaptation of a book called The Orchid Thief, um, but it is also an adaptation of Charlie Kaufman's uh, attempts to adapt the book. Um, I think that is weird and vague enough to be a little tantalizing. So uh, let's let's do it. I am so excited! Great pick. Great, That's, great pick. That, that is a that is. I, I did not see you for some reason. I was sure you were going to say the lobster. Oh, yeah, you, sure. Yeah. Do you you don't know how close you were actually? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Colin Farrell before. Yeah. Well, I'll, I was trying I'll to think because you, you. I'll tell you after the pod. <laughs> yeah. Right, there we go. Well, everyone, tune in. We will put a clip up of the Movie Book Club conversation into the Movie Book Club itself, and then people can comment back and see, you know, did we get it right for Bruges or any other thoughts? And next week, we got Benny's pick. Ooh, I'm excited. Hopefully a little more movie news. We'll see. Hmm. But plenty to discuss nonetheless. Thanks again to everyone who who has jumped into Movie Book Club and, um, you know, put in their comments, thoughts, recommendations. It's just really awesome to see. And let's keep that motherfucker going. We'll be back next week. See you then, Connor. Gotcha. See you then, Benny. Bye, everyone. Bye.